0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Carry thy son, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, bless us, amen. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and forever, unto the ages of all ages, amen. Make us worthy to pray. Thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever, amen. Let us give thanks to the beneficent and merciful God, the Father of our Lord, God and Savior, Jesus Christ. For He has covered us, helped us, guarded us, accepted us to Himself, spared us, supported us, and has brought us to this hour. Let us also ask Him, the Lord our God, the Pantocrator, to guard us in all peace this holy day and all the days of our life. O Master, Lord God, the Pantocrator, the Father of our Lord, God and Savior, Jesus Christ, we thank You for everything concerning everything and in everything. For You have covered us, helped us, guarded us, accepted us to Yourself, spared us, supported us, and have brought us to this hour. Therefore, we ask and entreat Your goodness, O lover of mankind, grant us the comp- Complete this holy day, and all the days of our life in all peace with your fear, all envy, all temptation, all the work of Satan, the counsel of wicked men, and the rising up of enemies hidden and manifest. Take them away from us, and from all your people, and from this your holy place. But those things which are good and profitable do provide for us, for it is you have given us the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and upon all the power of the enemy, and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, through the grace, compassion, and love of mankind of your only begotten Son, our Lord, God and Saviour Jesus Christ through whom the glory, the honor, the dominion, and the worship are due unto you, with him and the Holy Spirit, the giver of life, who is of an essence with you, now and at all times, unto the ages of all ages. Amen. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your great mercy, and according to the multitude of your compassions, blot out my iniquity. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my iniquity, and my sin is at all times before me. Against you only I have sinned, and done evil before you, that you might be just in your sayings, and might overcome when you are judged. For behold, I was conceived in iniquities, and in sins my mother conceived me. For behold, you have loved the truth. You have manifested to me the hidden and underveiled things of your wisdom. You shall sprinkle me with your hyssop, and I shall be purified. You shall wash me, and I Shall be made whiter than snow. You shall make me to hear gladness and joy. The humble bones shall rejoice. Turn away your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in my inward parts. Do not cast me away from your face and do not remove your holy spirit from me. Give me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with the directing spirit. Then I shall teach the transgressors your ways and the ungodly men shall turn to you. Deliver me from blood, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall rejoice in your righteousness. O Lord, you shall open my lips, and my mouth shall declare your praise. For if you desired sacrifice, I would have given it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and humbled heart God shall not despise. Do good, O Lord, in your good pleasure to Zion, and let the walls of Jerusalem be built. Then you shall be pleased with sacrifices of righteousness, offering and burnt sacrifices. Then they shall offer calves upon your altar. Alleluia. Lord of mercy, Lord of mercy, the sunset prayer of the blessed day we offer to Christ our King and our God, beseeching him to forgive us our many sins from the Psalms of our Father David, the prophet and the king. May his blessings be with us, Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it have labored in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen have watched in vain. It is vain for you to rise early, rise up after your sitting, you who eat the bread of grief while he gives sleep to his beloved. Behold, children are the inheritance of the Lord, the reward of the fruit of the womb. As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gates. Alleluia. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of your labors. You shall be blessed, and goodness shall be unto you. Your wife shall be as a fruitful vine on the sides of your house, your children as young olive plants round about your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord shall bless you out of Zion, and you shall see the good things of Jerusalem all the days of your life, and you shall see the children of your children. Peace be upon Israel. Alleluia. Glory be to our God. Holy, holy, holy the gospel. According to our teacher, St. Luke, may his blessings be with us all. Amen.
1: And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife, mother was taken with a great fever. And they requested him concerning her. And he stood over her and rebuked he the fever. And it left her. And immediately she rose, and served them. When the sun was setting, all those who had any sick with diversities brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the cry. Glory be
0: to God forever. Amen. May the sayings of God be fulfilled in peace. Worship you, Christ, with your good Father and the Holy Spirit. For you have come and saved us. Have mercy on us.
2: If the righteous one is clearly saved, where shall I, the sinner, appear, the burden, and heat of the day? I did not endure because of the weakness of my amenity. But, O oh, merciful God, come with the fellows of the eleventh hour. But behold, in Eucharist I was conceived, and since my mother, my mother bore me, therefore I do not... Dare to lift up my eyes to heaven, but rather I rely on the abundance of your mercy and love for mankind, crying out saying, God forgive me a sin and have mercy on me. Hasten, <laughs> hey, O Savior, to open to me the Father bosoms, for I wasted my life in pleasures and lust, and the day has passed by me and vanished. Therefore, not rely on the riches of your never ending compassion. So then do not forsake us a missive heart which is in need of your mercy. For unto you I cry, O Lord, humbly Father. I have sinned against heaven and before, and I am no longer worthy to be called your your so to be one of your high servants.
0: <coughs> every
2: Nicodem, <nicotine I> <coughs> with prudence and activity, and every sin I committed with eagerness and diligence, and of all torment judgment, I am worthy. Therefore, prepare for me the ways of repentance, only the diversion. For to you I appeal, and through you I seek intercession, and upon you I call to help me, lest I might be put to shame, and when my soul departs, my body attends to me. And defeat the conspiracy of the enemies and shut the gates of Hades lest they my swa- swa- my soul. You blame his part of
3: the true group.
0: O Lord, have mercy on us and forgive us how many sins of men. <laughs> <laughs> Holy, holy, holy Lord of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of your glory and honor. Have mercy on us, O God, the Father, the Poncecretor. O Holy Trinity, have mercy on us, O Lord God of hosts, be with us. For we have no helper in our hardships and tribulations but you. Absolve, forgive, and remit, O God, our transgressions, those that you have committed willingly, and those that ye have committed unwillingly, those that you have committed knowingly, and those that ye have committed unknowingly, the hidden and the manifest, O Lord, forgive us for the sake of your holy name, which is called upon us. Let it be according to your mercy, O Lord, and not according to our sins. Make us worthy to pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from the evil one in christ jesus our lord for thine is the kingdom power and the glory forever amen we thank you, our compassionate King, for you have granted us the past this day in peace and brought us to the evening thankfully and made us worthy to behold daylight until evening. O God, accept our glorification which is offered now and save us from the trickeries of the adversary and abolish all the snares which are set against us. Grant us in this coming night peace without pain or anxiety or unrest or illusion so that we may pass it in peace and chastity and rise up for praises and prayers. And thus, at all times and everywhere, we glorify your holy name in everything, together with the Father who is incomprehensible and without beginning, and the Holy Spirit, the life-giver, who is of one essence with you, now and at all times, unto the ages of all ages. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, of mercy. The blessed prayer of retiring we offer to Christ our King and our God, beseeching Him to forgive us our many sins. From the Psalms of our Father, David the prophet and the King, may His blessings be with us all. Amen. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? For through you is forgiveness. For your name's sake I have waited for you, O Lord. My soul has waited for your law. My soul has hoped and the Lord from the morning watch till night. From the morning watch let Israel hope and the Lord. For with the Lord is mercy and great is his redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Alleluia. O Lord, my heart was not exalted, neither have my eyes been haughtily raised, neither have I walked in great matters nor in wonders greater than me. If I have not humbled myself but raised my soul as a weaned child with his mother, so is the recompense upon my soul. Let Israel hope in the Lord from now and forever. Alleluia. Glory be to our God, holy, 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 the gospel according to our teacher, St. Luke. May his blessings be with us all, amen.
3: And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen Christ the Lord. So he came by the Spirit to the temple, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for, for the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're you are letting me serve depart in peace according to your word. From my eyes have seen your salvation, which I have prepared for the face of all peoples, like uh, for the revelations to the Gentiles, and the glory for the people of Israel. Glory be
0: to God forever, Amen. may the sayings of God be fulfilled in peace, worship you, Christ, with your good Father, and the Holy Spirit, for you were born and saved us, have mercy on us.
1: Behold, I am about to stand before the judge, judge, terrified and trembling, because of my, ni- my many sins for a life spent in pleasures that serves condemnation. But repent, O my soul, so long as you dwell on this earth, for inside the grave does us not praise, and death no one remembers, neither in Hades does anyone give thanks. Therefore, arise from the slumber of laziness and entreat the Savior, repenting and saying, God, have mercy on me and save me. If life was everlasting in this world, ever existing, you would you would have an excuse, O oh my soul, but if your wicked deeds and ugly evils were exposed before the just judge, what answer would you give while you are lying on the bed of sins, negligent and disciplining the flesh? or Christ our God, before your awesome seat of judgment, I am terrified before your council of judgment, I submit. And from the light of your divine radiance, I tremble, either wretched and defiled, who lies on my bed, negligent of my life. But I take example of the public in beating my chest and saying, "O oh God, forgive me, have mercy on me, a sinner."
0: <laughs> <laughs> holy
1: Virgin, overshadow your servant with your instant help and keep the ways of evil thoughts away from me and raise up my ailing soul, soul for prayer and vigil is God into a deep sleep for your capable, compassionate, helpful mother, the bearer of the final life of life, my King, my God, Jesus Christ, my hope.
0: Graciously accord, O Lord, to keep us this night without sin. Blessed are you, O Lord, God of our fathers, and exceedingly blessed and glorified be your name forever. Amen. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us according to our hope in you. For the eyes of everyone wait upon you, for you give them their food in due season. Hear us, O God, our Savior, the hope of all the regions of the earth. And you, O Lord, keep us safe from this generation and forever. Amen. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Blessed are You, O Lord, make me to understand your commandments. Blessed are you, O Lord, enlighten me with your righteousness. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Despise not, O Lord, the works of your hands. You have been my refuge from generation to generation. I asked the Lord and said, Have mercy on me, heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. Lord, I have fled unto you, save me, and teach me to do your will. For you are my God, and with you is the fountain of life. In your light shall we see light. Let your mercy come unto those who know you, and your righteousness unto the upright in heart. To belongs blessing, to belongs praise, to belongs glory. O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, existing from the beginning, now and forever and ever. Amen. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises unto your name, O Most High, to show forth your mercy every morning and your righteousness every night. Holy God, holy, mighty, holy, immortal, who was born of the Virgin, have mercy upon us. Holy God, holy, mighty, holy, immortal, who was crucified for us, have mercy upon us. Holy God, holy, mighty, holy, immortal, who rose from the dead and ascended to the heavens, have mercy upon us. Glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, now and ever unto the ages of the ages. Amen. O Holy Trinity, have mercy on us, O Holy Trinity, have mercy on us, O Holy Trinity, have mercy on us. O Lord, forgive us our sins, O Lord, forgive us our iniquities, O Lord, forgive us our trespasses. O Lord, visit the sick of your people, heal them for the sake of your holy name. Our fathers and brethren who have fallen asleep, O Lord, repose their souls. O you are without sin, Lord, have mercy on us. O you are without sin, Lord, help us and receive our supplications. For yours is the glory, the dominion, and triple holiness. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, bless us, amen. Hail to you, we ask you, O saint, full of glory, the ever-Virgin, the Theotokos, the mother of Christ. Lift up our prayers unto your beloved Son, that he may forgive us our sins. Hail to the Holy Virgin, who has brought forth unto us the true light, Christ our God. Ask the Lord on our behalf, that he may have mercy on our souls and forgive us our sins. O Virgin Mary, the Holy Theotokos, the faithful advocate for all mankind, intercede on our behalf before Christ whom you bore, that he may forgive us our sins. Hail to you, O Virgin, the right and true Queen. Hail to the pride of our race, who bore to us, Emmanuel. We ask you to remember us, O our faithful advocate before our lord jesus christ that he may forgive us our sins we exalt you the mother of the true light we glorify you o saint the Theotokos, for you have brought forth unto us the savior of the whole world he came and saved our souls glory be to you our master our king christ the proud of the apostles the crown of the martyrs the joy of the righteous the firmness of the churches the forgiveness of sins we proclaim the holy trinity and one godhead we worship him we glorify him lord have mercy lord have mercy lord bless us amen We believe in one God, God the Father, the Pantocrator, and and of all things seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all ages, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not created, of one essence with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit, and of the Virgin Mary and became man, and he was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate, suffered and was buried, and on the third day he rose from the dead, according to the scriptures ascended into the heavens. He sits at the right hand of his Father, and he is coming again in his glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. Yes, who believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we confess one baptism for the remission of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. Ah Amen. O oh Lord, hear some mercy in us and forgive us our many sins. Amen. Amen. Holy, 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 Lord of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of your glory and honor. Have mercy on us, O God, the Father, the Ponsicrator. O Holy Trinity, have mercy on us, O Lord God of hosts, be with us, for we have no helper in our hardships and tribulations but you. Absolve, forgive, and remit, O God, our transgressions, those that you have committed willingly and those that you have committed unwillingly, those that you have committed knowingly and those that you have committed unknowingly, the hidden and the manifest. O Lord, forgive us for the sake of your holy name, which is called upon us. Let it be according to your mercy, O Lord, and not according to our sins. Make us worthy to pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven. Lord, all our sins which we committed against you in this day, whether in deeds or in words or in thoughts or through all senses, please remit and forgive us for the sake of your holy name, as you are a good and lover of mankind. God, grant us a peaceful night and a sleep free from all anxiety, and send us an angel of peace to protect us from every evil and every affliction and every temptation of the enemy. Through the grace, compassion, and love of mankind, of your only begotten Son, our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom is due with you and with the Holy Spirit, the life giver who is of one essence with you, all glory, honor, and dominion, now and forever unto the ages of all ages Amen. Have mercy on us, O God, and have mercy on us, who at all times and at every hour in heaven and on earth is worshiped and glorified. Christ our God, the good, the long-suffering, the abundant in mercy and the great in compassion, who loves the righteous and has mercy on the sinners of whom I am chief who does not wish the death of the sinner, but rather that he returns and lives, who calls all to salvation for the promise of the good things to come. Lord, receive from us our prayers in this hour and every hour. Ease our life and guide us up for your commandments. Sanctify our spirits, cleanse our bodies, conduct our thoughts, purify our intentions, heal our diseases, forgive our sins, deliver us from every evil grief and distress of heart. Surround us by your holy angels led by their camp. We may be guarded and guided and attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of imperceptible and infinite glory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. God willing, today we're going to start a new book. We've been studying in the book of Exodus for a long time, and then we had like a short break in the Bible studies. Um, So we're going to restart again now, um, God willing, um, starting with the book of uh, Galatians. We've been trying to go uh, alternating between the uh, New Testament and the Old Testament. Um, The Old Testament books tend to be very long. So we spend a lot of time on the Old Testament. So we're gonna try to do um, one or maybe more than one of the New Testament books um, before going back to the Old Testament um, again. (coughs) So the book of Galatians. So uh, Galatians is one of the Pauline epistles, so written by St. Paul. And as we know, um, or have we studied in the past, that the idea of the Pauline epistles is that they're all written to individual churches. Um, that's a, the distinction between the Pauline epistles and the Catholic epistles. Catholic epistles they're called Catholic meaning universal or general because they were written to the church as a whole whereas the Pauline epistles um, were written to like specific group okay um, so in 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 this case the the Galatians was a group of churches that was in Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey uh, and the one of the problems that they were having there in this area is with the Judaizers someone. Tell us what are the Judaizers? Yes.
3: Those that were trying to w- mix or keep Jewish traditions, so like circumcision or the consumption of like the prohibition of the consumption of like pork or like all these other Mosaic laws.
0: Okay. Yes. So they believe that um, a lot of these Mosaic laws, and one of the biggest ones was the doctrine of circumcision uh it was is an essential christian belief and practice so they believed that anyone who wanted to be christian had to continue following these uh you know judaic uh mosaic commandments these laws uh in order for them to be christian now for the jews for many of the jews this wasn't a big problem because they were already used to doing that they were already used to circumcising their male children they were already used to you know having certain regulations in terms of food and so on um but what it when it became a big problem for is the gentiles because the gentiles non-jewish they never practiced circumcision they never practiced these other things and so for them it was completely foreign so for for you then to say that anyone who is a gentile who wanted to convert like pagan they wanted to convert to Christianity not only do you have to follow the the Christian doctrine the Christian laws and all the things that the Lord preached in the New Testament but you also had to practice the Mosaic laws um, like circumcision so it was putting an additional burden uh, on uh, any Gentile converts who wanted to convert to Christianity because of that okay Um, a big part of what Saint Paul is speaking about in this epistle um, has to do with things that we've read before, um, like when, when we when we were studying the Corinthians, um, is that he is defending his apostolic authority. And the reason is because he is trying to show them that the things that he, are, he is saying is not just his own opinion, his own commentary, what his beliefs are, but this is actually the apostolic message. This is the message that is coming directly from the Lord because that is what the apostles are. They're the messengers that are taking the message of salvation that came from the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are telling it to the people, right? And that is what all the work of the New Testament was, is taking the whatever the Lord taught the apostles, and they were going and preaching and, and establishing churches for the salvation of the people, and they were, they were um, delivering the message of salvation that they received from the Lord, okay? So St. So Paul, because he's kind of a unique figure, in the sense that when the lord was on earth in his incarnation saint paul was not among the apostles at the time right he was at the time a pharisee and a persecutor of the, apo- of the of the christians so many people began to question his doctrine to question his teaching and to essentially say you're not an authentic apostle because you are not with the other apostles you are not with the lord jesus christ um, and so we don't uh, we don't acknowledge what you say, or at least they're using that as a reason to justify their view that whatever he is teaching is incorrect, okay? And so he spends time um, defending himself, not because he is like feels personally offended by what they are saying or feels like his job is in threat or anything like that, but because he wants them to see that the message he is preaching is the truth. This is really the truth, and, and, and God did not want to place this undue burden on the um, on the people of requiring them also to be circumcised and so on. Um, St. John Chrysostom, he speaks uh, about some of these ideas. He says some of the Jews who believed being held down by the prepossession of Judaism and at the same time intoxicated by vainglory and desirous of obtaining for themselves the dignity of teachers came to the Galatians and taught them That the observances of circumcision sabbaths and new moons were necessary and that paul in abolishing these things was not to be obeyed so like people who 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 intrinsically felt like uncomfortable with what saint paul was teaching came and made themselves to be teachers like they made themselves to be authorities on the subject and they went and they began to try to poison the minds of the galatians and saying no you should not listen or obey what saint paul is teaching For they said that Peter, James, and John, the chiefs of the apostles and the companions of Christ, forbade them not. He's saying Peter, James, and John, they had no issue with uh, circumcision and with these things. At least this is what they're claiming. Um, And and so uh, listen to them and don't listen to St. Paul. He was single, but they were many and pillars of the church. They accused him too of acting apart saying that this, was v- the w- that this very man who forbids circumcision observes the right elsewhere and preaches one way to you and another way to others. Okay, so this is the, what St. John Chrysostom was saying. Um, so the, the, the Judaizers wanted to emphasize the idea that this law of Moses is, is divinely instituted um, and that they, you know, the idea that Christ, he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And so Christ actually was wanting to maintain all of these, um, all these statutes, all of these doctrines, all these, you know, uh, feasts and fasts and circumcision and, and all of this stuff. Okay. Um, and they, they they went to the extent of saying that salvation is impossible without following um, these things. And so of course this message confused the Galatians, and Saint Saint Paul is responding. Um, by writing this book or or this epistle and so um, a big emphasis of this epistle is speaking about freedom christian freedom and and portraying christ as the liberator like that we were under the bondage of the law before and now we are free from the law that christ freed us from the requirements of the law and a big reason why this is important is because no one fulfilled the law like the law was such a burden and so difficult in order for everyone to observe all of the details and specifics of the law that the law became a condemnation on, on the people, right? That, that if this is the law that God is asking us to follow, we are unable to meet these expectations, these requirements, and so we find ourselves in a perpetual state of separation from God because we cannot do what it is that God asked us to do. And yet when Christ comes, he abolishes the the requirements of the law now keep in mind this is not saying that christ is abolishing the rules of god like as though god is now saying well whatever you want to do you can do it and he's not he's not coming to say that all of the like like everything about the law for instance the ten commandments is not abolished the ten commandments is something that is the moral law of god right that he wants us to continue to follow but the external aspects of worship that were required in the old testament have been abolished the aspects of offering sacrifice, for instance, right? Like making a, a burnt sacrifice is something that was necessary in the Old Testament, no longer necessary today. Why? Because the Lord, he fulfilled the law and that he was the ultimate sacrifice. He made the sacrifice that abolished all other sacrifices for the salvation of humanity, okay? Speaking about circumcision, for instance, circumcision was a symbol that was required by God in the Old Testament to symbolize the participation of the person in the assembly of God. To be among the people of God, you had to have a mark on yourself, okay? And this mark was like the cutting off of a part of your body, right? And so this this was the sign of being among the people of God. But this sign was a symbol of baptism, which came later in the New Testament, which is the thing that now truly is not just a symbol it is the sacrament that is necessary for being renewed and for being among the people of god and the church so the circumcision was something to to kind of point the people to something that was to come later just like the burnt sacrifices was also pointing the people to something that was going to come later that abolished like uh, uh, n- n- not not abolished but 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 gave a new sense gave a new understanding of why the law was there from the beginning which is why St Paul always says you know to follow um, the spirit of the law and not the letter of the law okay so this is what this is what Christ was revealing okay so this is this is here St Paul is speaking about the liberation meaning we are no longer under the yoke of the law right the law of Moses And we have now freedom in Christ because he is the one who fulfilled the law. Um, We spoke about how Galatia is uh, the area of Asia Minor. It was a Roman province. Um, the, The Galatians actually were Celtic by race, but they had settled in this area in the third century BC. And so predominantly that was the group of people who were living there. And there is two theories as to Um, when this book was written, okay? They're they're called the North Galatian Theory and the South Galatian Theory. The North Galatian Theory, it says that this letter was addressed to the Galatians, um, who are this race of people, these Celtic people who were dwelling there in Asia Minor, um, or to the churches that are located in the Old Kingdom of Galatia. So there's this kingdom called the Kingdom of Galatia in the north-central part of Asia Minor, Uh, and this is the, the group of people that St. Paul was addressing, okay? And during uh, St. Paul's second missionary journey that we read about in the book of Acts, um, he was delayed uh, in Galatia because he was sick. And while he was there in Galatia for this period of time, this is when he established the churches in Galatia. And then later on after he left, he wrote um, from Ephesus or from Macedonia, this epistle um, uh, between the years 53 and 57 AD. So this is called the North Galatia theory. That St. Paul, during his second uh, missionary journey, while he was sick in this region, he established the churches, and that between 53 and 57 AD later on, when he was elsewhere, like in Ephesus or Macedonia, this is when he wrote this epistle to them. So that's the first kind of theory behind its writing. The second is called the South Galatian theory, um, which which you know, this theory says that after the death of the king, this king of Galatia, in 25 BC, Rome like took over this kingdom, combined it um, with uh, its own, like became a province called the province of Galatia, and that this epistle was written to this group of churches, and 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 that um, the epistle was written in the year 48 through 50 AD. Okay, so this would say more that the the, the church was f- the churches were founded in the first missionary journey of Saint Paul and not the second missionary journey but uh, whether it's 53 to 57 or 40 50 all around very close to this time period um, it's six chapters and you can divide it up into three main sections the first two chapters are defending the apostleship of saint paul his authority the second two chapters chapters three and four speak about the doctrine of salvation and then chapters five and six is speaking about like the practical life and very famous verse galatians 5 which speaks about the fruit of the spirit um, which we will read um, when we get there okay so we'll start with chapter one paul an apostle not from men nor through man but through jesus christ and god the father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of galatia so as we know in all of the books of saint paul almost all the books um, the very first word of the epistle is Paul, right? He's introducing himself by name and he is speaking about his apostleship. And he's making it clear that this apostleship is not from men. Okay. He was not appointed an apostle by the apostles. It, it's not like the apostles. They were like, Hey, there's this great guy, uh, Saul of Tarsus. Let's go and, and recruit him because he's going to be a great apostle, right? There was no human mind who, who thought of him to be an apostle. Right. So just as all of the other apostles, one of the criteria of apostleship was that they were directly called by Christ himself. OK, so even though, like we said, Paul was not with Christ when he was on earth, but he was called miraculously while he was traveling on the, r- on the road by Christ. And he saw and he heard the voice of, of, of Christ and he was called for apostleship there. OK, so he is called by Christ. He is not called by by man there there is no person who asked him to do this Um, christ himself is the one who asked okay Um, also what's very clear is is saint paul is saying that the message that i am teaching is not my own message right it's not my own message and this is something for us as as christians to understand very well in general uh, about everything nothing of the christian message is our own message you know like it it, it's not something that we are trying to uh, invent. It's not something that we are trying to uh, modify to make it more palatable. It's it's it, it's not a, it's not about what is my opinion. Maybe there are some things about it that I don't understand, or maybe there's some things because I don't understand, I I don't really con- I'm not really convinced of it. Right? There could be things that maybe we don't understand fully, or we're not a hundred percent convinced of it. But in the end, it, it's not my own message it's not it's not an opinion that I have it's I say that if I believe that Christ is the truth and I believe that what he said is true then I believe it and preach it and teach it as truth even if I don't fully comprehend even if I'm not fully convinced of it or really understand it but I but I teach it because it is the truth because I'm a believer right and that's one of the the fallacies kind of that we see in our society now is that everybody just wants to teach what is acceptable or everybody wants to teach what they happen to think in the moment. And we know as human beings, obviously, that we change over time. Like like what what, what society as a whole considered to be acceptable 50 years ago may be very different than what's considered to be acceptable today. But the, I, the question is not what human beings considered acceptable. The idea is that God changed in these last 50 years. Th- the truth changed in the last 50 years. Did heaven change in the last 50 years? Did the character of God change? Did the commandments of God change? Did the word of God change? Did anything at all about God change in the last 50 years? Nothing changed, right? Because he is He is eternal. Right? You imagine like this eternal being who has been the same for eternity. He's going to wait until 2020 in order to change? Why? Why now? Like Why do we think that now is the moment that God is going to start saying things differently? Or... Maybe some people believe that, well, we've been wrong all along. This whole time we have been wrong, but now suddenly in this moment, in my generation, and and in our society, we have suddenly been enlightened, right? We have suddenly been enlightened, and now whatever we believe and whatever we teach and whatever we say is true contradicts the last 2,000 years of what Christianity said is true. But we're right because we are enlightened, right? And that's kind of one of the problems is that every generation thinks itself to be enlightened. Every generation compares itself to the previous generation and says, well, look at all of our advances. Look at all of our understanding. Look at all of our discoveries. Look at all the things that now we have that we didn't have before. So we are enlightened. And because we're enlightened, we find ourselves now, instead of being subject to the law of God, we find ourselves to be what? Like the judges of the law. That we are the ones who can stand above the law, looking at it, dissecting it, and be like, no, I, I accept this and I don't accept this, right? Why? Because we are enlightened. This is what we believe. St. Paul here, he was not claiming to be enlightened. He was not not claiming that he had any new kind of philosophy of life. He was not claiming to be a philosopher. He was not claiming to to, to say, you know what, I've figured it out. I figured out how we should live, and let me share with you what I have discovered. He's not not approaching it like that. He's saying, God called me for apostleship, and this is what he he taught me. This is what he, he told me, and I'm relaying it to you. Of course, we know that St. Paul believed it. He understood it, of course. But but the the idea here that his role as an apostle was, was not to reinvent or to modify. He was to just say, this is the truth. This mm-hmm. is the truth. And so obviously when we are speaking to someone about the truth, we should try to, the best that we can, to say it with an understanding of who they are and what they're going to comprehend and understand and saint paul did the same you know he said to the jew i became like a jew and to the to the gentile i became a gentile meaning that the language he used the examples he gave the approach that he gave was very much based on the audience right but he didn't change the message he just changed the way it was delivered in order to make the point, in order for them to understand. But he didn't like avoid certain things that were sensitive or s- avoid certain things that could be offensive to certain groups of people because he was like, yeah, yeah, we know that this group, they're not gonna like it, so we're just gonna avoid certain topics. He didn't do that at all. He was very, very direct, very, uh, very direct. And, and and he didn't try to sugarcoat the message at all. So here he's coming and he's saying, let me tell you the message. The message comes from God. And so also us, Like when we are speaking about the truth, this is the truth that comes from God. You know, if we dilute ourselves and we mix with the world, then the world, the church loses its whole value. You know, like like when when Christ was saying that, you know, we are the salt of the earth, but that the salt loses its flavor, how can, how can it be seasoned? You know, like if we lose the flavor, if we lose the truth, then the church absolutely has no no function. Like why is it even here? If the salt is not salty anymore, then you don't, use salt you don't put that's the whole reason you use salt is to make something seasoned right but if if the salt is is has no season in it if it's not salty then you just don't use it, it has no function you just throw it away right it has no function at all so we find ourselves in this situation where you know we w- we are we are we are maybe a beacon of truth and a beacon of light in the midst of darkness but if we allow the darkness to enter and if we allow the doctrine of the world to enter into the church if we allow the the, the lies of the world that we begin to be convinced of them then what uh, what value is the church right it loses its function it loses its value because we no longer are offering something to the world to rescue them from the flood we are we are now just part of the flood we are just we have been drowned by by the world like everybody else okay so it's very important for us that the message we are declaring is what not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised them from the dead. This is the message we preach and this is what we believe, okay? Not to be so, uh, uh, not to be so swayed by human opinion, right? The, the values we have, the beliefs that we have, have remained for thousands of years. There's nothing about 2022 or 2025 or 2030 or whatever year that is going to suddenly make a change to that. Nothing, okay? Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so again, part of the salutation, the greeting at the beginning, he's saying grace to you and, and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself up for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil. You know, he, he Oftentimes we, we it's easy for us um, to look at our situation and to say the present time is like the worst time there's ever been. Like, like look how evil things are, look how horrible things are. And we see like changes happening in the schools and with the kids and with this and that and, 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 and all kinds of destructive forces in society. And it's true. But does it mean this is the worst it's ever been? I mean, St. Paul, even back here, he's speaking about the Lord delivering from the present evil age. The Church at this time in the first century, when they looked around the world, they didn't exactly see a world that, that 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 thought so highly of them. They saw a world that wanted to destroy the Church, right? They they saw that anyone who became a Christian was likely to be martyred, right? They saw animosity, hatred, persecution against the church as a whole and against the individuals who are Christians. So the call for Christianity and the belief of Christianity in the first century was like a death sentence, you know. You you were accepting to be placed under very high risk and the risk of your family and the risk of your life, the risk of your career, the risk of all the things that we cherish so highly today um, was at risk because you have made this decision to follow Christ. But they believed and we believe that he will deliver them from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Right? So so they didn't live in fear. They lived under threat, but they didn't live in fear because they believed that God had conquered the world. God conquered the world. Even if the form even if the conquering of the world did not mean that they were spared from physical persecution, right? Even if they still experienced suffering in the world, but this suffering was like external it's not something that entered into them at their core who is it that they were they were the children of God and they were protected from the world and there is nothing that anyone could do to really harm them because they have an eternity to look forward to and hoping for with God and nothing could take that from them nothing could remove that from them okay so they did not have to be afraid but yes they were under they were under a lot of threat okay so when we look at the world You know, and we see maybe from generation to generation things seem to be getting worse and there's more immorality and there's more wickedness. And that's true. But that doesn't mean that we are at a point in the world necessarily where it is the worst that it has ever been. I mean, there was a time where they would throw Christians to the lions. Right. And that was normal. And people would would gather together in this big stadium to watch it like a sport. You know, like if we were if we were living in that society now, like what would we say compared to what we have? We have just been so used to, and especially in our culture and our our country, we have been just so used to freedom and equality and and respectfulness and all these things, which was not always the case. So when those things begin to be removed, taken away, diminished, we notice the difference, right? But the the period of of peace and the period of, of respect and so many things that we have enjoyed for a long time, we shouldn't take it for granted. We shouldn't take and forget. The enemy continues to fight us. The enemy continues to attack the church in whatever ways. And so we should be, again, turning to God and saying, deliver us from this present evil age. And the present evil at the time was very different from the present evil that w- there exists today. The present evil at the time was like physical. Like they would physically remove you. They would physically kill you. They would physically harm you. They would physically threaten you. And it was all physical and while that's horrible it also made it very clear who are the good guys and who are the bad guys right like who are who are who are the who 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 is safe and who is good and who is the enemy and no one i won't say no one but it was very hard for for you to confuse the two it was very hard for you to confuse the ones who are like the faithful the ones who are in the church the ones who are the believers the ones who who cared about the truth the ones who were willing to give up their life for Christ it was very difficult to confuse them with those who are on the outside who want nothing but to destroy you right because the, 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 the they there were so so extremes there was there was these two sides that were so extremely different from one another and there the, it was easy to it was easier to maintain faith in the sense that you you were not allured by the others like you didn't like people in the church they didn't look at the the pagan life and it wasn't attractive to them. Like it isn't something that they, and it wasn't something that they were just gonna be easily convinced of. Now there are people who who went there maybe because of fear and threat, yes, but the the, the life itself, they were so different from one another. Whereas now you find that to, 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 to a large extent, if you look at people who are Christians that are living in the world, you don't see any difference between them and the world. You know, they did like a survey um uh, years ago Uh, and it was it was not about like the orthodox church but just christians in general and at the end of the survey they concluded that there is no difference in the statistics when it comes to those who are christian versus anyone else like for instance the divorce rate between christians and non-christians the same the rate of like um pre-marital cohabitation between christians and non-christians the same the the everything was the same like cursing is the same like uh, whatever whatever metric you want to look at in terms of like how people chose to live the decisions that they made, it was the same, right? So that's the definition of the salt loses its saltiness. You know, how can it be seasoned? If, 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 if we are under now not such necessarily physical persecution, but moral persecution, emotional persecution, social persecution, that we are so surrounded that even on our phones, you know, as we are trying to do something innocent, we are bombarded with images we are bombarded with ideas we are bombarded with with evil and it is coming like to us in every place into our own homes you know at least at least then you know at that time you could say okay well i'm going to choose to allow certain people in and i'm going to choose to to keep certain people out like the people who are good i'm going to allow them in and the people who are bad i'm just going to not allow them in i'm not going to associate with them now now it's become so difficult even to do that you know like so we are definitely in, if you want to speak about what's unprecedented right now, we are in a, in, in, a, in a place where it is the easiest for the devil to, to make us fall into addiction, to make us fall into blasphemy, to make us fall into all kinds of evil, because we are so surrounded in every place, even in our homes, in our pockets, with, with, with tools that can be used for evil. And I'm not trying to say that the tools are evil, but they can be so easily used for evil, um, and it, is, it requires us to be even more vigilant, even more careful than maybe ever before. So he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So he is marveling that these people whom he knows well whom he interacted with, whom he established churches for, whom he taught, who who listened to him, whom he guided. These are these are not strangers to him, you know. Like Saint Paul, he knew these people intimately. He worked with them. He established churches. He was there, living among them. Okay. So he's saying, I'm i marvel. Like I'm so shocked and surprised that you are turning away so soon to this false gospel message, which is the gospel of the Judaizers, right? The the this message of that that in addition to Christ, you also need the law, the law of the Old Testament for salvation. OK, so. I want to ask you this question, why do you think that they were deceived?
3: It's the idea that our forefathers did not therefore it must be correct.
0: Okay, so the idea, <coughs> excuse me. So the idea that there were, w- so remember, these are Gentiles, right? So who are the forefathers?
3: The pagans.
0: Well, so, but the pagans didn't do it, uh-huh, okay. right? The, pa- the pagans didn't, didn't follow the law of Moses, right? The, the forefathers of the Jews, they were the ones who did it, right? But for, for a group of pagans, this was something completely foreign to them. Yes, because they didn't know the truth. They were not well-grounded in what is it that they believed, right? Like someone who is not well-grounded in something can be easily confused, especially when um, somebody who is very sophisticated, knowledgeable, speaks in a very convincing way, uh, speaks to you, it kind of makes you feel like, okay, uh, I, I don't know how to answer. I don't know how to respond. Like we live in a in a in a in a in a, lo- in, a in a world that is filled with experts. and right? Everybody's an expert. So, when 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 you say I don't b- believe something, and there's gonna be someone who comes with their quote-unquote expert knowledge, and they're gonna say all kinds of stuff that is maybe overwhelming that we don't have an answer to respond because we're not all experts at everything. Um, and and maybe they're going to make us feel intimidated, like, OK, I, m- maybe I, I don't know, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe maybe I don't know. You know, maybe St. Paul really is not like the best. Maybe James and John, maybe maybe I sh- they didn't talk about this topic so much. Maybe maybe you're right. You know, they didn't have the grounding because why? Because they were new Christians, right? Like they didn't they didn't have an experience of being Christians for decades or generations. And they, it was very new to them. So because it was very new, they were easily confused. Okay. Why else? So there was a lot of people who had this belief, right? These Judaizers, like it wasn't just a small group. So maybe, they saw that there was a large number of people that believe something which is like the worst reason to ever believe anything is a lot of people believe it so i'm going to believe it like that that's the worst reason to to do anything right is assuming that because other people think it then that means it must be true okay so good that's another that's another reason right um and this is the way that the devil operates the devil finds a way to confuse us and to make us doubt what it is that we believe, but what could they have done that they didn't do? Hmm? They could have asked. You know, they c- they could have come to St. Paul or one of the apostles or somehow in some official way, be like, "Hey, these people are coming and they're telling us this and this. What do you think? What is the what is your response? Is it is there truth to this? What why? What do you think?" Like. Many people who leave the church because because of their confusion they didn't take the time to try to find the answer they just kind of heard something and they're like, "Oh okay yeah, you know this is it this must be it and and, and they go off in whatever direction it is um, without fully thinking through what it is that they're deciding to do and why right um, it's very easy <coughs> for people who are, are are deceptive to sound authentic and, and and it's easy for people to follow them um, So number one, we understand our faith very well. This is why it's important to learn the faith because we we live in a place that's constantly filled with confusing messages all the time, constantly confusing. So uh, unless we have like a solid foundation, we will find ourselves on a daily basis rattled. We will be rattled. We will be doubting. We'll be confused. We'll be, uh, you know, questioning, you know? Um, also, what's interesting here is how um, how serious Saint Paul took this like like one could argue that this is not the biggest deal. It's like okay, you know uh, be baptized and and take communion and be circumcised too. What's the big deal with circumcision you know like like is there is there something really? evil about it there's nothing evil about it but the message was is that it was necessary it was required it was something that you must do which is kind of like the pharisees they were adding all these additional laws that told the people not not just what the law of moses said but but also you have to do this this and this and this right but saint paul took it very seriously he says no this is a perversion of the gospel like the word the word uh, uh they want to pervert the gospel is a very serious accusation. It is a perversion. It like completely undermines the gospel because the message of the gospel is that these external actions are of no spiritual value. And the only thing that matters for salvation is Christ himself, right? The reason that salvation came upon humanity is because of the, of the work of Christ, not because people are getting circumcised, not because the people are doing any kind of work, like like that type of work, right. That is bringing salvation. Right. Um, and the motivation of these people, you know, who are, what is the motivation of people who want to pervert the gospel? Everybody has a motivation. Like what, what is some reason why these Judaizers, what is their motivation? Why are they doing this? Pride. Pride. So maybe they want authority right and they're making themselves like what St John Chrysostom said they're making themselves teachers you know they, they, every, again everybody wants to be an expert they 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 declare themselves to be the experts and to understand and to know and they want power and authority and many people were jealous of St Paul because St Paul I mean he he established so many churches all over the world like he was he was phenomenal he 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 established more churches and preached to more places than all of the other apostles okay so many people were jealous of him. And these, these groups, they could say, well, how come St. Paul, like, look at the authority that he has and the people listen. No, we, we want to also have that authority. So that's one reason. It could be pride. Okay?
3: Could it be self-pity where, like, they have to go through this hardship, like, this, like, hard lifestyle of Judaism, and then, like, the, the Gentiles would come in and, like, they didn't go through that?
0: It's possible, you know, because maybe their mentality and their way of thinking was very legalistic. They were like kind of like the, uh, uh, you know, in the parable of the workers of the 11th hour where the, the people who were there from the beginning, the first hour workers that were working hard all day and they were promised a denarius for their work. And then at the end of the day, all these other people started working and even up until like one hour before the end of the day, some new people came and started working at the 11th hour. And that the, the, the owner, he gave them all the same wage, right? Like those people who only worked for an hour they got paid the same thing as the people who were like working since the morning, right? And so those first hour workers were upset. They're like, how come you are giving us the same? Like, why are you granting the same wage to these people who came at the very end? You know, these, d- 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 the Jews themselves, they could say, you know, we, we have been Jews and our people have been Jews and our generations and going all the way back and now you're saying that we don't need to circumcise anymore? Like, we were so proud because of our status you know, the this sort one of thing about the Pharisees is they consider themselves to be such an elite class, the, the Jews. They're like, you know, we are the children of Abraham. We are the ones who have been selected by God from many, many thousands of years ago, and we are the people of God, and, and it's a very ethnic, like, closed, exclusive group, and nobody had access to it but them. And circumcision was one of the signs of being a member of that group. But now you're saying that every single person in the world without having to do those things now are going to be the children of god so to a large extent there is jealousy there and there is there is there is a sense of like why are you w- we don't want this to be open to everybody we, we want we feel better just it being us you know when when saint peter he saw this vision which uh, encouraged him to go and preach to cornelius who was one of the first Gentiles to receive the Holy Spirit and to be baptized. And after he did so, the other apostles rebuked St. Peter. They told him, how could you go and in, into the house of a Gentile? Because that was something not allowed in the Old Testament. And he had to explain to them, like, why is it that he went and what he saw and how God told him to go. So there was a lot of, like, um, built-in kind of feeling of that this is exclusive to us uh, and and no one else should participate in it. So when you, when, and, and that's the thing with, you know, with, with the gospel, right? The gospel kind of eliminates all classes. You know, like when St. James is speaking about that in the church you shouldn't treat those people who are poor any differently than that you treat those people who are rich. Because in the church, being poor or rich is irrelevant. Like in the church, being man or woman is irrelevant. In the church, whatever status, whatever like, life you have led, Whatever decisions you have made, uh, everything about you, it's irrelevant compared to others. So all of the social structures that exist in the world between human beings that determine who is on top and who is at the bottom, right those don't exist in the church. they're not supposed to anyway um, so so it's it's it completely going to the idea of liberation, right especially for the people who kind of are, 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 are in the lower classes for whatever reason because of what they've done, or because of how they live, or because how they were born, or because of the money they have, or whatever, right? Those people are liberated. This is why the message of Christ was so powerful for the adulterers, and the thieves, and the harlots, and the people who had been, like, deleted from society, that nobody wanted to have anything to do with them, and there would never be any forgiveness for them in any way. When Christ came and offered them forgiveness, to them this was liberation. It's like you are offering to us something that no one ever has offered. Like no one ever has given us this opportunity, right? So, so it was a very, very big deal for to say that salvation and 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 being a child of God is now open and accessible to every single person. Did didn't matter anything about society or or, or anything like slaves versus non-slaves, for instance. That was that was a big social thing. Like, like people who were slaves. Many, many slaves became Christian because in Christ they found freedom, right? Not not the physical freedom necessarily, right? But they found the spiritual freedom, what's even more important. Um, St. John Chrysostom, he also said, they had in fact only introduced one or two commandments, circumcision and at the observance of days, but he says that the gospel was subverted in order to show that a slight adulteration vitiates the whole like what i was saying is a small change to the truth is a subversion of the whole truth because it's not just about the thing that you add or the thing that you remove it's that you have no authority to add or remove right like like let's say you know somebody comes and says everything about the gospel is true but you have to eat cupcakes on Sunday. Uh, okay. Like, eating cupcakes is fine. I like cupcakes. But who, in whose authority is someone going to come and say that that is a requirement? No matter how benign the requirement is, no matter how insignificant the requirement is, it's not about the requirement. It's about who 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 is going to dare to change right the, the commandment of god to add anything okay and so because once you allow it even for the smallest of things it like snowballs and i said oh well we added this thing so why don't we add this one you know to to a large extent this is what happened to the catholic church because at the time of the schism between the catholic church and the eastern orthodox church okay essentially before that schism happened the faith was the same right but all of the things that began to change in the catholic church over time happened because they took it upon themselves to believe that uh, god reveals new doctrines over time and so we discover new things over time that we didn't believe before like the idea of say the infallibility of the pope that was not an orthodox belief it was something that was added you know, afterward, after the Catholic split. The idea of the Immaculate Conception of St. Mary, this is something that was added, right? Many things that can be added, right? The question is on what authority do we add? This is w- goes to, like, what we're talking about in the Harvest meeting about revelation. What we believe is true is because God revealed it to be true, not because we invent truth, okay? Because God revealed it to be true. So here the smallest thing that is a perversion from the gospel it's completely f- it's completely like destructive yes we view them as apostolic for two reasons one is um they they can trace themselves through the the lineage of priesthood all the way back to Christ okay so i mean it's a it depends on how you want to look at it, because on the official stance, I mean, the official stance is that well, we excommunicated them. That's the official stance. But in practice, we consider that they are oppo- they have they have many o- like for instance, they're sacramental. They they believe in all the sacraments. All the priest is uh, um, ordained um, through a. Um Through the laying of hands, yes, through the laying of hands, right? And tracing it all the way back to Christ. So in that sense, we say that they are apostolic, okay? And we, we hope and we pray that the one day there can be reconciliation, um, but uh, it's difficult. Yeah, yes.
3: In, in regards to the, the legalism that you were speaking of, uh was advocate. But like, so how uh, do we respond to, let's say, the belief of protestants and saying well it looks like the orthodox church and all of its rituals and sacraments are falling into that legalism once again
0: so you have to make a distinction between what is necessary for salvation versus what is uh useful and beneficial practice that we do so I, i'll give you an example of fasting because it's difficult and we have a lot of fasting in the church so someone might come and say this is very legalistic you're expecting all your people to fast for two-thirds of the year and it's unnecessary and because salvation isn't going to come because you're not eating meat and that's true where salvation doesn't come because we're not eating meat this is not a question of salvation this is a question of self-discipline that we are choosing to discipline ourselves to protect ourselves from sin so it is not the act of fasting that brings salvation directly it's not like you know, like if we don't fast this exact way, then we don't have salvation. So it's not like we believe that, okay, the, the blood of Christ plus fasting is salvation. No, we, we don't believe that. All the things that we preach that are necessary for salvation are things that Christ himself told us are necessary. Like, like the Eucharist, for instance. He says, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. So you might have a church that they don't practice communion, and it's not a sacramental communion um, for those who do and they take it very lightly and they're like uh, what is it it's, it's there's nothing there's nothing i mean it's just it's just a symbol a sign whatever and they don't consider that to be important or necessary but when they look at us and they say oh they're very legalistic because you have all these rules about communion and how you take it and who shouldn't take it and all that stuff well that's what christ said like saint paul to the corinthians he said if you take communion in an unworthy manner you might die so we are not like inventing these rules or inventing these things and saying Oh, because we are adding things as a burden and unnecessary. We are just enforcing what Christ himself is, has said. Okay? Yes. Our sacraments? Yeah. Well, there's four of them that are salvific. There are four that are necessary for salvation. Right? Baptism, chrismation, communion, and confession. Those four are necessary for salvation. A- and the reason we say that is because Christ said so. And the early church adopted this from the very, very beginning, right? So we are, not, we are not adding an additional extra thing, right? We are just practicing the faith as it was delivered to us, okay? So St. John Chrysostom, he goes on and he says, A want of zeal in small matters is the cause of all our calamities. Read that again. A want of zeal. What is a want of zeal? like a, a lack of zeal, okay? A lack of zeal in small matters is the cause of all our calamities. What is a small matter? Hmm? Remember here he's he's talking about how St. Paul is taking this idea of circumcision and Sabbaths and this stuff being being a part of the gospel message as a subversion of the whole faith. And he's saying, these are small things, if you really look at it. But he's considering this to be a perversion of the whole gospel. So this is what Saint John Chrysostom is saying. So he's saying a want of zeal, meaning when we don't have zeal toward correcting the small matters, when we take lightly the 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 small uh, errors, fallacies, you know, mistakes, theological problems, when we just take them lightly and they don't address them this is the cause of all our calamities and because slight errors escape fitting correction greater ones creep in you know we don't fix something when it's small like when you when you don't like pull out the weed when you first discover it you might wake up and find there's weeds everywhere as in the body a neglect of wounds generates fever mortification and death so in the soul slight evils overlooked up, open the door to graver ones. Now you will understand why Paul calls circumcision a subversion of the gospel. Right, like the cupcakes. So, circumcision cupcakes. Yeah. So, is that is that, make, is, that un, is that point clear? Don't change anything. This is what he's saying. He's saying don't change anything. This is why it's very important for us to be careful when there's any change that's made in the church. Like, his bishop, his grace Bishop Yusuf was telling us, so, you know, one of the prayers that we pray in the church is called the Litany of the Travelers. And the Litany of the Travelers, the priests and the deacons are praying for those people who are traveling, and they mention whether they are traveling by land or sea and so on. So, of course, this litany is very old and was written before air travel, okay? And so, at some point, it made sense that if we're going to be praying for people who are traveling, most people, when they travel, like long distances, they travel by air. But that's not part of the litany. So, Pope Schnuda, being the Pope, did not just say, let's add air to the litany. He asked the Holy Synod to vote on it. Can we add air to this litany? Well, I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, it's clearly, okay, is there a problem with adding air? Obviously people are traveling by air, like there's nothing that could be heretical in this. But because the process of change is so critical, he says, no, we'll do it right. Just make sure there's no objections. Everyone's gonna have to agree on it, right? So the philosophy, that philosophy of being very careful is very important because there are people nowadays that wanna change change everything, right? And maybe some changes are beneficial okay? I don't mean changes in terms of like our dogma, but maybe some changes to rights, some, some external changes, things that can be beneficial. But we can't just take it upon ourselves. Like, I like for instance, for the deacons, I get like very upset when somebody changes a word. You know, like when somebody changes a word, it's like that's not what it says. That's not what it's just. You say the exact word that's on the screen, right? And if we change it, it's changed. But if we don't change it, it can't be everybody on their own decides well i like this better and i prefer this better and why don't we say it like this and and this hymn oh i like saying this part high and this part low no just say it the way that it is right because that mentality of you have like a million coptic people and every coptic person decides on their own that they have some change that they want to make it's chaotic it's just it's chaos even if the change is not even a, a dogmatic theological kind of change it's just like a it's just a, a change to the rights, a change to something. This is why it's very important to be careful. And then he goes on, and he says, but even, yes.
2: Mm. So, like, even in this example of the Judaizers, like, who's, I'm so used to the church being very, like, there's a hierarchy of authority, and there's people in charge, right? So whose role would it have been, or is it? right to call that stuff out because well, i i don't think it's mine
0: well it's here it's saint paul that's why he's doing it but you mean nowadays
2: or should have people said something before or do they take it to the bishop or do they you know what i'm saying
0: they should have reached out to him before adopting right. it and teaching it and practicing it right they're like okay these this group of people are coming and they're telling us this we want to let you know that this is happening what do you think is this okay uh, are we misunderstanding like and then he will tell them right so whenever there is a whenever there's a question you know and, and and there's there's something that you hear that's different than what you've been taught you should question it and go to yeah whoever is in authority over you and and explain it to them and get an answer maybe there's a misunderstanding maybe you don't understand maybe maybe it's being practiced in a way that's okay that you don't understand right because this is exactly he says even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you let him be accursed this is very important because what he is saying here is w- the gospel that we have preached to you is comprehensive the gospel that we have preached to you is full it is the fullness of the gospel that we have preached we have not just preached to you 20 percent of the gospel and then the remaining 80 percent of the gospel you don't know about it So maybe if you hear it from an angel, you'd be like, yeah, okay. No, he's saying even if an angel, or even if I myself, speaking about himself, even if we, at a later time, tell you something different from what we've already taught you, okay? Let him be accursed. Meaning that what we have said and what we have taught is comprehensive, it's complete, it's full, nothing should be changed in it, and this is the truth. And again, going back to like, what we believe today should be the same that the church has believed all along. Th- this is what makes orthodoxy. Like, orthodoxy is not just a certain denomination where you have people who have a certain set of beliefs and you make a distinction between these set of beliefs versus another group that believes this versus another group that believes this and so on. Yes, we have a certain set of beliefs, and, and maybe those set of beliefs is unique and different from other groups. But that's not all it is. Orthodoxy is the process of determining the truth. How do you know what is true? Based on what? Is it just that you have this list and you can write it down and say this is what we believe and that's it? No, there's a way of determining truth. Meaning, we believe that whatever has been delivered, this is when we speak about holy tradition, whatever has been delivered to the church is the truth, and we keep it and we continue it up until now, regardless. He's saying if an angel, can you imagine like if an angel came and said you're actually, you know, um, uh, baptism is not really necessary for salvation, if an angel, if a miracle happened, right? He's saying this is still false. So it has nothing to do with the messenger. It has nothing to do with the time. It has nothing to do with anything. Because the way God established the church is he established the church with the fullness of the truth from the beginning. Not the development idea that like the Catholic Church has. Like the Catholic Church has this idea that we don't know everything from the beginning. And I'm not trying to say we know everything about God by no means. But I'm saying the things that God has delivered, right, are incomplete and we discover new things over time. This is this is the mentality it's called the development of doctrine of the Catholic Church. Okay? But the Orthodox Church, we are not we don't do that. We we believe that whatever God has delivered from the beginning is the truth, is the fullness of the truth. And if someone comes and says anything contrary to that, they are accursed. Right? So it's a very strong language. Okay? As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Okay? So he is like excommunicating. Anyone automatically who teaches anything that is contrary to what he has already taught them because the words that he has taught them are the words of God, okay? Has nothing to do with like the credentials of the person who is speaking because this is the way that the devil deceives, and the devil is not gonna come and to deceive the church and try to directly contradict the major things about the doctrine that everyone can immediately identify, okay, this is completely r- false, this is completely wrong, doesn't make any sense. Okay? But he will come with something very very small, like very minor, minor to the point where some people will say, what's the b- what is it why does it matter? It's not worth making a big deal about. W- why don't we, why why is it wrong? Okay? Very small. But that f- that that is not to be the whole story that's just the first step and then there is a second okay and then there is a third and and over time we become desensitized to the changes to where the larger and larger changes no longer have any kind of impact they know well they don't they don't bring alarm right they should bring alarm changes should bring um alarm for do i now persuade men or god or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. What was the message of the Judaizers? They wanted to please the Jews. The Jews that we said, they wanted everything to be exclusive. They wanted, they they wanted it to be more difficult for people to come into the faith. They they considered themselves to be better than the Gentiles. Like these are the people who benefited from this message. Because it made them to be. Kind of like hires, like yeah, well, we're already circumcised. You got to be like us, okay? So, so the Judaizers they wanted to please men. This is they they benefited. They got praise from the Jews who supported them, and they found power in that, right? They found that they had authority in that, and so they wanted to please men. That was the purpose. Their purpose was not um, let's, you know. That that we just believe that this is true. They had ulterior motives as well. Okay? So Saint Paul, on the other hand, he reaps no personal gain from what he preaches. There is there is nothing in it for him. And he knows that the message can be uh I- it can be offensive to some, right? He's not seeking to please men. Um and we can ask ourselves this question like, in what ways do we try to please? Right? In what ways do we try to please? please like do we feel pressured um to do something wrong because we don't want to stand out or we don't want to offend someone um and again in the world we find ourselves more and more in this place where it's like we have to be very careful what we say because we might offend people like an offense has become like a like a religion of offense people are offended by everything and and so that puts us in a position where it's like well if we don't want to offend people then we can't even say what we believe like we have to listen to everybody else say what they believe we have to accept what they believe. We have to tolerate what they believe. We have to be forced to believe what they believe. But when we even speak about what it is that we believe, this is hateful, you know, and this is intolerant. And this is the, the, the lie that gets us to, to, to essentially to, to, b- to stop talking, essentially gets us to stop preaching, to stop, you know, like trying to make a difference, trying to, um, you know, preach the truth to people. Right, and so this is again, this is being bullied into silence is what the devil wants; He wants us to be bullied into silence because if there's no one preaching the truth, then no one will believe the truth because no one will know the truth right so So we should not be trying to please other people, we should be pl- trying to please God and doing this only for him and not for for others. but I make known to you. Brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, we did not invent the gospel. St. Paul did not invent it. He learned it through Jesus Christ. St. Paul spent a long time where Christ was appearing to him and teaching him the faith. Even before he went and he, he joined with the other apostles and he went to Jerusalem, when he was in Arabia, when St. Paul was in Arabia, the Lord taught him through revelation, all of these things that he needed to know because, again, he was not living um, he was not living with Christ at the time when he was uh, on earth. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. It, why is St. Paul saying this? Why is he speaking about himself and, and his past used to be? Yeah, he knows the law very well, and he was very zealous to defend the law. Was there a comment over here? No? Yeah. He well, again, he's speaking to the Gentiles. Okay, so he's speaking to the Galatians. But he, he's, he's saying what? If anyone is going to say that circumcision is necessary it's gonna be me because as a pharisee that was that was what i did like i enforced the jew the you know the the mosaic law and i killed anyone who was against it so so i'm not coming to you from a position of ignorance or you know like like he was the one in charge you know of all of this so he's saying like um i was the most zealous right but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, right? So again, St. Paul was uh, converted to Christianity um, later on. The grace of God was working in him, okay? That God was preparing him all his life for this moment. That even though he was a Pharisee and a persecutor, and yet God knew in his heart that, that he was doing this because he really believed that it was true. And he was zealous for God. And he didn't do it because he had any ulterior motive or any hidden motive. Or he, he really believed that this was God's work, what it is that he was doing. And so when he realized that it was not, he very quickly changed. Like he very quickly, he didn't hold on. Like he didn't have personal biases that was making him act. Like he didn't have a hatred toward Christ- Christians. What he had is, is he believed that his treatment of them was God's will. So he was doing God's will in his own mind. Okay. But when he realized this was not God's will, he he, he changed. He changed completely. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, (coughs) I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So again, St. Paul is emphasizing that everything that he learned, he learned it directly from Jesus Christ. He did not even learn it from the apostles. Like it's not like after he became was called for to be an apostle that St. Paul went to the apostles and he sat and they gave him a class. And like this is everything about Christianity, you know, learn about it and here's a test. No, he says what? I did not go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but instead I went to Arabia. And in Arabia, this is where the Lord actually re- revealed to him. This is not recorded in the scripture, like the details of this. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. So after this period of time of being in Arabia, of learning from Christ, that's when now he went and he joined with the other apostles. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. Right? Like like Saint Paul now had ar- this reputation that he was the one who was trying to destroy the church, now he is the one who is preaching the faith and trying to protect the church. Okay. And they glorify God in me. Glory be to God forever. Amen. Any comments or questions about this? Yes.
2: Staying, like to be true to our faith. Um, I keep thinking back about how Jesus and the woman with the five husbands, like he showed her love and mercy. And sometimes I don't know, like I know I should stand, um, like I should be true to my faith, but sometimes I don't know how to like be merciful to them. Because again, like I'm with kids, right? And they want to be called a certain way. And I know it's wrong that they be called certain ways like they them or you know all of that Mm. but at the same time like if i offended i don't want to like offend them to where like oh this she's you know this and like she's trying to you know she's religious and she wants to like you know she doesn't want to respect me and all of that so i don't i don't know how to i don't know if that makes sense you know because god showed mercy to the woman with the five husbands so and
0: so he showed mercy to her right? The Samaritan woman, right? But he didn't tell her that it was okay what she did. Like, there's a difference. So, for instance, he dealt with her as someone who uh, was mistaken or had done things that were wrong, but he didn't condemn her. Like, he he didn't treat her with condemnation. He treated her with mercy and love, yes, but he didn't say it was okay to have lived with five husbands. So, Whenever we are put in a position where we're directly asked a question, what do you believe about such and such? Okay, then we have to be honest and say this is what we believe. That doesn't mean that we are acting hatefully toward those people who are different. The 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 point you mentioned about like the pronouns and all that, like what the advice that his grace Bishop Yusuf gave about it is just use the name. Don't even say the pronoun at all. Just every time you refer to that person, refer to them by their name which might be difficult sometimes to do. But it's like not every time that we meet someone like that, we're going to give them a sermon, okay? So, so at some point, like, you're trying your best to live by what you believe and what you acknowledge to be true without offense. I mean, the goal is not to offend. Like, it's not like the right thing to do is to offend. It's not like we're trying to offend people. It's that if the truth is offensive, then it's offensive. But we don't not say the truth because we're afraid of offending others. So there are some forums where it makes sense to speak the truth in that moment, and there are forums where you can't go around calling out everyone who does something wrong all the time. Right? Like you can't, and it's not effective to do so. So you you have to choose when is the appropriate time, when is the appropriate venue, to, to say something or to do something. But definitely you live according to your faith and you don't cave to what others are telling you is right. You don't acknowledge that it's right if it's not. You try your best to live within a system without compromising what you believe, okay? But you, you, you not everything is going to be a war, right? Because that's, again, like, like Christ did not go to war against a Samaritan woman. He didn't just say call her out for everything wrong that she did. This was wrong. You shouldn't do that. This was wrong. This was wrong, but he was he, he he spoke with her and he worked with her, and he found a way to weave this love and mercy and truth all together. And that's the thing that's that that he does. And that's the thing that's maybe difficult that we learn from him is how to weave truth, mercy, and love together, in 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 a, in a way where we are expressing an attitude of love without. Just saying, yeah, you're totally right, I agree with what you're saying. No, we can be resistant to something that they're saying while at the same time being loving. And this requires the grace of God to, to, to work. But that's should be our, our goal. Yeah. Mm. Any? Yes.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so in 1 Corinthians 8, St. Paul talks about the meat. And he tells them, you know, it, you, even though you eat the meat, it doesn't have any effect. But if it's a stumbling stone, you know, don't do it for other Christians. Well, in Galatians, I mean, circumcision, is, was, it wasn't necessary for salvation. So why didn't he approach it in the same manner?
0: So he wanted them, so that's interesting, right? Because he wanted them to believe what was true. Right, he didn't want them to believe that circumcision was necessary. So he wanted to teach them that circumcision is is not necessary. So he had to be direct and just this is the teaching, right? And he wasn't trying to offend the Galatians, right? But he was telling them, like, the message that I have, this is a message from Christ, and this is what I'm teaching to you, and and circumcision is not necessary. But whenever he was speaking with Saint Timothy, he told St. Timothy what still so sent St. Timothy to be circumcised because St. Timothy was going to go preach to areas where if he was not circumcised, they would have completely rejected him altogether. So the idea of him being circumcised was not because, oh, you have to submit yourself to a false doctrine. It was, you have to be presenting yourself, like do something that is innocuous, something that is not evil, that is going to make your message, your preaching more effective. So again, it's like what St. Paul says, to the Jew, I became a Jew, and to the Gentile, I became a Gentile. And this is a very important distinction because if circumcision was evil, he would have never said go and be circumcised, right? But because circumcision is is innocuous, there's nothing wrong with doing it, but he didn't want them to believe that it was necessary for them and required for salvation, and that's the distinction. He's not saying circumcision is bad. He's saying circumcision is not necessary, and so f- and, and leaving it up to each person so if you choose to be circumcised, I mean, we, we, we do circumcision now, right? There's nothing wrong with circumcision, but but it has nothing to do with the faith. I yeah. Have another question. yeah.
1: Okay. So you talked about how. Uh, I don't know. Hello, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you talked about how God gave us the entirety of truth, and when He, you know, came to Earth and gave us the Gospels. Um, but through time, we didn't understand everything. Through time, through heresies and things like that, we added things to the doctrine. Is that the same as, like, they were all there. Uh, the, all the all the doctrines were there when Christ gave it to us. We It just took us time to understand it. Is that the same as just understanding more about Christ? Or are you saying that? Do you so it's, so
0: it's not that we didn't understand it or we didn't know it. What it was is that we didn't formalize it into a statement. So, for instance, let's say the Orthodox Creed, right? One of the most important things that came out of the ecumenical councils, right? So, before the creed was created, was the church not aware of those things? Like, was the church not aware of all of the elements of faith in the creed prior to the creation of the creed? They were. It's just that, there had no there had been no challenge to it to where they had to express it in a in a way that emphasized the, the actual belief you know like like the church doesn't just go and and create documents and create statements and create things without there being a need for it right so at the beginning when everyone had a, an understanding and there was no questioning of it then there was no need for the creed But it doesn't mean that when the creed came, it's somehow that this was new information that we didn't know about before. They just decided to write it down in a format that was easy to say, that we would say in our prayers in the church, so that everyone would be on the same page in understanding of this is the faith that we proclaim. But there is nothing new about what they believed in the fourth century that they didn't know about it in the first century.
1: Everyone was on the same page, then heresies would have been like.
0: No, I mean, there were individuals, right? Right. There were individuals who could be heretics. And again, why would they be heretics? Because they philosophize. They say, well, you know, how could it be possible that the son and the father um, are equal and coexisted at the same time? Doesn't the son come after the father? Right, that was, a, that was a philosophy, just a, a way of thinking. And like, oh, so that must mean that the son is a creation of the father. That there was a time when the father existed and the son didn't. So it was, it's not that prior to that there was any, uh, like it was confused or people didn't know. It's just somebody came along and they challenged it. They challenged what the faith was. And so the church responded to that challenge and says, no, this isn't right. And as a result, we are going to formalize what is it that we believe, so that there is no confusion? Because, like someone like Arius, for instance, he he fooled a lot of people. Like a lot of people were deceived. So when when the church then comes out with this and says, okay, this is a way to help us all, all the people, and especially many of the uneducated people, to understand the faith, and to proclaim it on a on a on a weekly basis whenever we're in the liturgy, so that um, we don't we don't get easily deceived. The people don't get easily deceived again. So that at that point, if somebody comes and says, no, the son, he's not actually co-essential with the father and he is a creation, all that. Then instead of many people believing in it, they'll be like, no, 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 that's false. So there's always going to be individuals that might be confused or individuals that are heretics or whatever. But that doesn't mean that the church as a whole was confused as to what the faith was. Like even today, like people can come up with all kinds of ideas. It's just that doesn't mean that the church accepts that. But that also doesn't mean that there is a formal document that responds to every single possible heresy either. You know? Okay. Any other? Okay. That's pretty In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day and for every blessing that you give us that we do not deserve. We thank you, O Lord, because you give us day after day and allowing us time to repent and to grow and to call upon you and to be filled with your spirit and to fulfill your will. We thank you, O Lord, for your mercy and your guidance. We thank you, O God, because you are in the church and you are giving us an opportunity for salvation each and every day. We ask, O God, for your mercy, for your forgiveness, and for your wisdom and guidance of how to navigate in this world successfully. Successfully for our own salvation and also, O Lord, for the salvation of those who are living in darkness to bring them to the truth. Teach us, O Lord, how we can be the salt of the earth, how we can go out, O God, and and bring the truth and the messages of light and goodness and love and mercy to the world and to bring them, O Lord, to your feet so that they can experience you and and worship you and know you, O Lord, as we know you. We thank you, O God, for your goodness, for your love, and your patience with us. Teach us your will and forgive us our sins. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray. Thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God, the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, and the communion and the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.
3: And also with your spirit.